0: got your handouts with you this morning, go ahead and get those out. We are um, enjoying the last portion of 1 Thessalonians, and it's the place in the book where he just directly gives these commands. Rejoice always, pray constantly, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're kind of tearing those apart a little bit, little by little. Last week, thinking about rejoicing always. You guys learned that one. memorized it, right? Rejoice, Rejoice always. See, that's so easy. You know, In the Greek New Testament, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. Now, in the English New Testament, because you count letters, Jesus wept. John 11 is actually the shortest English verse in the Bible. So you can memorize two verses in one day. Jesus wept. And rejoice always. Put those together and you've got uh, uh, a sermon right there, right, Mark? (laughs) Yeah. But today, it's also a two-word phrase, a two-word command, okay? It's um, talking about flourishing in prayer and having constant prayer. Here's the phrase, pray continually. That's the NIV version. Are you up to a third verse in one day? Okay, Jesus wept. Say that. Jesus wept. Say, rejoice always. It's right there. That's, cha- that's chapter 5, verse 16. This is chapter 5, verse 17. Pray constantly. Repeat that. Pray constantly. One more time. Pray constantly. You guys are amazing. And you've told me, some of you have told me before, oh, I I can't memorize. My brain's just not handling that anymore. But these you can, right? How inspiring. You just learned three verses of scripture. Memorize them in one setting. Well, we're going to tear that apart a little bit. Is that okay? Let's talk today about this important element for all of our lives, prayer. Prayer. And how does constant prayer affect us? How does it affect our lives? How does it affect our relationship with the Lord? Why would the Apostle Paul command this? Pray constantly. Now, some other versions say pray without ceasing. As a little kid, I used to confuse that with Caesar, ceasing Caesar. I thought they were talking about salad, Caesar salad or something. I mean, it's real little you know. Pray without Caesar. No, 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 no. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. Pray never-ending prayers. Prayer is, uh, in this case, a, a general term, kind of like kind of like tree. You can have lots of different kinds of trees. You can have a, a bonsai tree, which Caleb's really getting into bonsais, you know. You can have an oak tree. You can have a Evergreen tree. They're all trees. In some ways, prayer's like that. There are lots of kind of varieties of prayer. And when he says pray constantly, maybe your mind goes to a certain kind of prayer. Maybe you've got a picture of someone on their knees praying. You know, that's pretty hard to do constantly, isn't it? Maybe that's not what he has in mind. Maybe the variety of prayers, like we're talking about thanksgiving prayers. We're talking about worship prayers and how prayer intermingles with worship. How do you draw the line between worship and and prayer? Aren't they closely related, inextricably linked? Prayer and intercession and supplication, that's when you lift up people's needs or your own needs. When you're praying about an outcome, confessional prayers, what's that about? That's when you're telling God how much you need his forgiveness in your life. Or maybe consecration prayers, like we sing today, I will follow you. Prayers of faith, prayers of agreement, prayers of the Holy Spirit, prayers at all times, Prayer is huge. In fact, there's 222 prayers in the Bible that are listed out in detail. I mean, just reading the scriptures, you're going to come across 222 full-blown prayers. Okay? It's a prayer book. If you don't know how to pray, get in God's Word. It will help you know what and how to pray by both example and by content. In your, uh, in your prayer life. I say it this way. You can do more than pray after you've prayed or while you pray, but until you're praying, you can't do more than pray. Don't say, well, I gotta, uh, look at prayer as the last thing on your list. You know? That's what we need to avoid. Oh, brother, we gotta pray? Has it come to that? That's kind of the attitude people have. Yeah, we'll get to that if we have to. And there's two reasons... That we end up being prayerless. Two reasons that prayer doesn't take a bigger chunk of our lives, that we don't constantly pray. One of them is pride, is pride. I got this. I'll let you know if I don't. I got this. I'll call on you if I need you. Hey, what? what? I need to pray about that. I got it handled. A lot of times that's our attitude, yeah. Otherwise, the other aspect that keeps us prayerless, which by the way, I think is a sin to be prayerless, is um, faithlessness. Well, God's not gonna do anything anyway. No, the, the, the doubting that comes causes us not to drive into the praying Constantly. Some of it has to do with our, our mindset when we think prayer is just there to get an answer from God. You know, the, the imagery I like is the big vending machine in the sky. <coughs> I got a prayer, I got an answer. If that's your concept of prayer, no wonder pride and faithlessness will cause that to disappear. Prayer is designed to be our communication with the Heavenly Father. Prayer is designed to be our interaction and the relationship building that he wants to do with us. What is God going to find in your life? How is your... If you were to gauge and rate your prayer life today on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being constant, passionate and involved, and one being vacant, distant, and uninvolved, where do you fall? Don't don't tell anybody, just on your own rating. Where do you fall? Jesus pegged the meter. We're going to spend some time talking about that. And he teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to grow in our relationship with God. So pray continually. Let's repeat that one more time. Pray continually. Continually. Give thanks for all circumstances, for this is the will of God, a will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, One of the places Jesus teaches is in the Gospels. He told parables about prayer. If you've got a place to write this down, just say, Jesus teaches constant prayer. He teaches people how to pray and keep praying, how to be persistent in prayer, how not just to shoot up a prayer and stop but to continue to talk with him. Include him in, every, in each and every decision. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should, look at that, always pray and not give up. Folks, we're so prone to failure, to giving up, to stopping. He says, no, always pray. And so he's told some stories to encourage us to always pray and not give up. See, that's the, that's the connection. If you're always praying, you will not give up. If you are giving up, you are not praying. You put those two together. So what's he say? Always pray and you'll not give up. They are connected to one another. And um, so he tells this story about a certain town where there's this judge that didn't fear God, and he didn't care what people thought. (laughs) He didn't fear God, and he didn't care what people thought. But a widow, a woman, came to him in that town, and she kept coming to to him with a plea. Please bring justice for me. Please bring justice for me. And because of her persistence, the judge did what he was asked. He brought justice for her. And and Jesus points out... (laughs) You don't have a judge that could care less. You have a judge that's righteous. You have a judge that's honorable. You have a judge that loves you. <laughs> you don't, but he is going to give you what you need as you persist in prayer. See, two things will keep you constantly in prayer one is your picture of God, your God consciousness. When you are constantly aware of God's presence in the world, present in your life, present in situations, instead of feeling like it's all on you, you know God has a role to play. God is involved. God is intricately caring about the details of your life. The second thing is a people consciousness. Not only who you are, but who we are. When you understand who God is and you understand who we are, it will drive you to be constantly in prayer, bringing to him. When um, Donnie was reading about Jesus, Jesus went to his disciples and he told them to pray and not give up, to pray and always be there. One time... uh, Jesus was up on a hillside and he was watching his disciples rowing the boat in the storm. They had rowed for nine hours and gotten four miles. Nine hours, four miles. It it was pretty bad. And Jesus, the Bible says, was praying and praying for them. Now, later he's going to go to them, he's going to walk on the water, he's going to calm the storm. But what did he do first? He prayed. Your God consciousness and your people consciousness will drive you to do what Jesus did and what Jesus taught to constantly, always pray and don't give up. The disciples, they were rowing and they did not give up. Jesus didn't stop them from rowing, they were doing what they could. But Jesus entered the scene and everything everything changed. Always pray and don't give up. One more parable that Jesus told, and I'll just kind of summarize it. Um, They came to Jesus and said, why don't you teach us to pray like your disciples? John's disciples taught them how to pray. And Jesus said to them, suppose a friend comes and a friend comes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food for offering him. Suppose the one uh, inside answers, don't bother me. The door is locked. It's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because your shameless audacity... (laughs) He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is comparing God to this friend. And yet he's wanting us to know, God's so much better. God's not saying, I'm tired and I'm in bed, leave me alone. God's there eager. He says, he's eager to meet your needs. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, um, the door will be opened. Now this is a comparison. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? One version says, give good gifts to those who ask. You know, God's compared to this Father, and he looks at us and he says, you'd love to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does our heavenly Father eagerly want to give us his very best, his Holy Spirit, Provision for our lives. Everything we need, the Bible says, for life and godliness. That's his passion, his heart, his desire for you and I. So you can think of yourself as a father and how much you yearn to give good gifts to your kids. So much more. Think of yourself as having a father who loved to give you good gifts. He says, if you being evil love to give good gifts to your kids, how much more, Get that? How much more does the heavenly father want to give good gifts? So just note, we could, we, could, we could spend the whole morning just on Jesus's teaching about prayer, but I hope you're catching the flavor that he loved to teach about always praying and not giving up. In fact, that's a good phrase. Let's repeat the phrase Always pray and do not give up. One more time. Always pray and do not give up. That's what Jesus taught. Constantly, prayer. Now, let's look at Jesus' life for a few minutes and think about Jesus living it. In fact, as I was putting it out, if you're still filling in blanks, say Jesus nailed it. <laughs> say that Jesus lived it. He nailed it because every activity in his life, he bathed in prayer. Everything he did before he did it, he spent time talking to the Heavenly Father. Every major event in Jesus' life, in fact, we have 57 times where Jesus prayed. 57 times where we even have his prayers in detail. John chapter 17, we've got Jesus' prayer. Matthew chapter 5, 6, we've got Jesus' modeling prayer. Um, Luke chapter 11, we've got these prayers of Jesus, but we just have punctuating Jesus' life. Prayer after prayer after prayer. If you want to be a Christ follower, first thing you need to do is start your prayer life. Get your prayer life going, because that's talking to the Heavenly Father. Like Jesus, talk to the Heavenly Father. Prayer is the essence. Jesus prayed like you and I breathe. Everything he did, every activity he did, prayer was at the heart and, 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 and soul of it. And you might say, well, why would Jesus pray? He's the son of God. Does he have to talk to the father? What, what's that? Why would Jesus pray? The very thing we're talking about today. Not just because he was pulling a lever to get some answer, but because he wanted to follow intimately the Father's will. He said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. He was so into it. He said, I don't say anything that the Father doesn't tell me. To say he was so dependent upon his relationship with the Heavenly Father that he constantly had prayer going. That's the essence for you and me. Jesus lived out. He nailed what it was. For instance, at his baptism, remember the voice that came down and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? And Jesus took time to pray during his baptism. Jesus offered, often withdrew from the crowds. Well, Mark chapter th- 3, the whole town is meeting at his, at his house they're all excited about the healing ministry he's gotten. Where's Jesus? He's out in the desert. He's out in the wilderness. He's out on the side praying, and spending time with the Heavenly Father. Before Jesus chose the 12 apostles, he spent the whole night in prayer. Now, you find Jesus spending various times. Sometimes there's short prayers. Sometimes they're long prayers. Sometimes they're all-night prayers. Sometimes they're week-long prayers. Jesus prayed the variety, just like I mentioned the trees, before Jesus' teaching of his disciples on prayer. Isn't it interesting, the disciples never asked Jesus, Jesus, could you teach us how to preach? They never asked him that. Jesus, could you teach us how to cast out demons? He didn't ask him that. You know what they asked Jesus. One thing they asked Jesus to do was, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? There was something so riveting about the Lord Jesus' prayer life that they wanted to know, how can we pray like you pray? See, up to that point, there was a lot of ritualistic prayers. There were a lot of going through the motion kinds of prayers. But when it got to Jesus, he had this heartfelt relational prayer. And they're like, "Uh, Lord, we don't know what that is, but we want that. And that's probably, for you and I, the desire of our hearts too. The ritualistic prayers do not accomplish what a Christ-centered, God-focused, people-centered prayer can be. That's what Jesus offered and did. That's why they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? We're gonna get into that for the modeling that Jesus did. Before Peter's confession... You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Before Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, he prayed, he prayed, he poured himself out in prayer. His, uh, before his transfiguration, where you could see the Old Testament characters, Moses w- with him being transfigured, Jesus spent the night in prayer. He knew this was a momentous opportunity and decision before raising Lazarus from the grave. This is one of those prayers where he verbally said, I'm praying not just so you'll hear me, Father. I'm praying so people will hear my prayer. He said, I'm praying so that they not only hear my prayer, but when the healing takes place, when the resurrection takes place of Lazarus, they'll put their faith in you. That was Jesus' prayer in Luke chapter 11, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, three different times, he went there. He left. He went there. This is where he asked the disciples, remember? He said, would you watch and pray with me? Yes. Now, there were four watches in the evening for, for, to break down their guards and watching. He was asking them to take a watch. <laughs> would you watch and pray? And then he said, I'm not looking for a three-hour watch. He said, could you just pray one hour with me? And you know what happened, right? They're snoozing. They're sleeping. Oh, and we say there's the, the, the um, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know? And there are times when you want to pray constantly and you just wear out. But God's calling us, even in that. Is it that bad to fall asleep while you're praying? might take care of some of our anxiety and and, uh, nightmares. What do you think? Jesus prayed in the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed three times from the cross. The cross is a good example of how Jesus could float in and out of prayer with God and talking to people. You know, he could look at people and say, John, this is your mother. Mary, this is going to be your your son now. He could talk to people, and then he could say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're saying, what what they're doing. Remember, he could just go in and out. It is finished. So it should be for us that we're talking to our boss, and in the back of our mind, there's a prayer going on at the same time. We're talking to our family. Some of you are talking to your kids. your grandkids. You're like, how do I bring these kids to an understanding? Be praying about it and talking with them. Be praying about it and talking with them. One of the examples of that in in the Bible is Nehemiah. Nehemiah has this opportunity to tell King Artaxerxes, to tell the king what he wants done with Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is... Uh, destroyed. The gates are down, the walls are down, and Nehemiah's heart broken about it. And if Nehemiah says the wrong thing, the king has the authority to, off with your head, okay? But the king looks at this cupbearer, Nehemiah, and he says to him, what's on your heart? What is it that you want? And so here's, the, here's what the Bible says. It says, Nehemiah shot up a prayer and answered the king, He shot up a prayer, we don't know how long, but he was in such good tune with the heavenly father that he could pray. Because, I mean, it was fearful, he could have lost his life over it, but when he shot up a prayer and spoke to the king, the king said, you've got what you need. I will supply the supplies, I will give you the supplies to rebuild the wall and the city. The answer to prayer was because he was in constant communication, just like Jesus on the cross, just like he's calling you and I, not to live our lives on our knees in some monastery, but to live our lives in such good communication with the heavenly Father that we're never not in communication with God, and we're never not in our lives. It, it blends together like the Lord. Does that make sense? Three times on the cross. He prays to the Heavenly Father. One is a forgiveness prayer. One is a a, a cleansing, consecration prayer. Oh, that we would be like that. And where is Jesus now? Interceding for you and me. You know, Jesus didn't have the Savior that we've got. He was the Savior, but we've got the Lord Jesus Christ as the go-between in our prayers. He is interceding, the Bible says, on the believer's behalf. So everywhere Jesus went, the wee hours of the night, all the time, he would be praying. What if your current attitude of prayer was the one Jesus assumed? What if your current attitude of prayer is, well, I'll get to it if I can, Or what if your attitude in prayer is, I don't think anything's going to work. I don't think it's going to help at all. What if Jesus took that uh, approach? Sometimes people say uh, they want to do, they'll they'll ask the question, what would Jesus do? I look at this and I say, what did Jesus do? Don't uh, just form a, well, my opinion is he would do this. You can look at scripture and say, this is not opinion. This is exactly what Jesus did. And then replicate that and say, I want to live a life of constant prayer where there is this connection with the heavenly father. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18 says, make all manner of prayer with all prayers and petitions pray at all times in every occasion, every season, in the Spirit. And with this in mind and view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition for all God's people. So Jesus nailed it. <laughs> Jesus also modeled it. Jot that down. We'll, we'll divide this up a little bit from the Lord's Prayer. You know, we call this the Lord's Prayer. You know this Probably. It's the disciples' prayer. He was answering a question, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, pray like this. Here's some things you can include in your prayer. So it becomes a template for us. And that's kind of what I've done here is kind of tear it down because I think it tells us the benefits of prayer. And a lot of times it helps us to see the benefits as we focus on that. Pray in this manner. Persistent prayer adores God, jot that down. It uh, adores... Can you back up, Dave, for me? Persistent prayer adores God. Go back if you can. Um, When he says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What What if you just took your time telling God who he is to you uh, like in this case, about his name, about his character, about his attributes, all of us can talk about God. You know? Sometimes I'm called to pray in situations I don't know what to say. You know, Especially in hospice situations where somebody's just at the end and, and you just feel so bad, you know if you go too much in depth about the person, you're probably just going to break up in tears, sometimes I just focus on just what this says. God, you are so good. Just the things we sang about today. God, you are so good. You have so many good things in store for us. I want to praise you for being a faithful God. Every time you pray, you can focus on God, on his character, on his attributes, on his activities, and you can spend time in prayer on just that, adoring God who he is. That's what Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The second one, persistent prayer, aligns us with God's will. It aligns us with God's will. Notice what he says, thy kingdom come, what? Thy will be done. The thing we're talking about here in Thessalonians, he he says, it's the will of God. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all situations. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's what he's talking about. It is aligning us with God's will when we persist in our prayer. And just talk about, I mean, just. In your prayer, think about the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that you're engaged in as a citizen of this planet and the kingdom that you're engaged in as a citizen of heaven, earthling, heavenling, because you are both, you are both, and he's calling you to live out God's will in his kingdom while you are on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's do a third one, acknowledging God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a pretty simple one, isn't it? Donnie, thank you for that message today about bread. He is the bread of heaven. I am the bread of life. Persistent prayers acknowledges God's provision not like a vending machine in the sky, I'll say a prayer, I'll get what I want, but to entrust him. Lord, we recognize everything we have comes from your hand. Nothing that we have hasn't passed through your uh, provision for us. Thank you for that. Every good gift and every perfect present comes down from heaven. The Father of lights, who does not change or have any shifting shadow, Let's talk about how persistent prayer affirms our need for forgiveness. Write that down if you if you can see. Acknowledges God's provision and D affirms our need for forgiveness. Forgive us this day our daily bread. I mean, no. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Persistent prayer awards us victory. Over evil, lead us not into temptation. Jot this one down. Persistent prayer allows us fellowship with God. Persistent prayer accesses wisdom from God. And persistent prayer adds God's peace. Next week, we're going to spend the most of our time on Thanksgiving. Thank God thanking God for all that he's done and what he's been doing in our lives. Because isn't he the one who said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So we will um, take some time and do that. Running a little short on time, but I want to end with this. Jesus taught it. Jesus nailed it. He lived it. Jesus modeled it through the Lord's Prayer. And lastly, the early church, Jesus' family, continues it, starting in the New Testament, flowing right down to you and to me. We've got these passages like Romans 12 that says, rejoice in hope, being constant in prayer. Colossians 4.2 that says, continue steadfastly in your prayers, continue steadfastly in your prayers. So pray while you're doing everything. And when I'm up here sharing God's word with you, in the back of my mind, there's a prayer going on. Lord, let your word resonate with your people. When you're driving, a lot of people have told me that I cause a lot of prayer when I drive. <laughs> That's when people are riding with me, you know. <laughs> but, but when you're driving, are you letting your communication with God preoccupy your mind. Not so you're dangerous, (laughs) but so that you're prayerful. Now, if you're in the middle of rush hour in Seattle, you're going to pray a little differently than if you're out in the countryside watching the fall colors, okay? One one may be prayer for your fellow human beings. (laughs) That idiot! I mean, no, no, no. And one might be prayer for God's gorgeous creation. And you need both. Prayer while you're driving around. What about at your workplace? It shouldn't be, well, I'll pray after work. Pray during work. Pray while you work. Whistle while you work. No, pray while you work. Okay? You know, sometimes we, um, we see it too segmented. It's not meant to be segmented. It's meant to be unified. Sometimes here at church... I love it after church when somebody, instead of saying, Well, I'll pray for you, or I'll put it on the list, we'll pray later. That's not bad. What's better? I see someone right over here. I see someone on the steps over there. I see someone just huddling in a little prayer. If you say you're going to pray for someone, why don't you just take time right then? Especially when we're in the congregational setting. Okay? Just take a minute, bow your heads, and say, Do an arrow kind of prayer, just like Nehemiah. Say a prayer. And then move on. Say a prayer, move on. There should be that kind of rhythm and setting in our lives, especially for those of us who are encouraging each other about our prayers. Here's what the early Christians did. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayer. Breaking of bread, just like we did this morning, in communion and prayer. Prayer should not just be a a, a thing we fill in the service with, it should be a constant part of our lives in how we deal with everything in our lives. Acts 1.14 said, they all joined together, and here's the word, constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Whatever they did, it was driven by and constantly in prayer. I'm thinking about um, how special it is now that we've got a risen Savior going between us and the Heavenly Father. When Jesus died on the cross and that veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, it meant that no longer did you have to go through someone else as a priest to the Heavenly Father, either for sacrifice. Or they often did it for prayers. They would look at their prayers as they would gather them up until they came to the temple. They would gather them up until the priest could offer them to the heavenly father. But no, 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 no. With us, just the opposite. When Jesus died on the cross and that veil was torn, Jesus is now in the spot where we can go directly to him at any time, day or night. We have the same kind of privilege that Jesus had with the Heavenly Father. It's your privilege and my privilege today. Remember uh, Stephen, the first martyr who was killed for Christ? As he was being stoned to death, he had that same kind of rhythm that Jesus had on the cross. He, he could see the heavenly picture of the Father. And Jesus was standing at the throne of God, on the right hand of the throne of God. He could, he could connect with the people, and he said the same words that Jesus said. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Stephen said, Lord, do not lay it against their charge. He was forgiving them in the midst of his death. The rhythm was the same. Talking to God... And talking to people. Conscious of what you're going through, in his case, he was going to die as the first believer to give his life out of commitment to Christ. And he found a way to both pray, to trust God in the midst of it, and to live live out that end of his life. What if you and I have such an appreciation for the Father... And the Son standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He is eager to take any prayers, all our requests to the Father. Now, did that save Stephen's life? No, it really gave him, though, an eternal and abundant life. So, what about you? What about me? Prayer is to be an attitude that we're constantly living in, but it's more than an attitude. Set aside time in your life for regular disciplined prayer. If you get up in the morning, I like 6 a.m., take some time to be in prayer. If you pray at your meals, that's a good discipline. That's a discipline Jesus had. At every meal, it seems He lifted up a prayer of thanksgiving to the Father as a discipline. Before he multiplied bread in the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, he lifted up the, 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 the bread and fish and offered a prayer. What if we took time in our homes for that discipline before every meal? What if when, we, uh, when all our friends at work take a break, what if our break is specifically to discipline ourselves to pray? 10 minutes here, and 10 minutes there, and 10 minutes there. What if we discipline ourselves at the end of our day and say, Lord, I want to just lift up a prayer? So there are attitudes of prayer, but there are also disciplines of prayer where you punctuate your day with specified and regularized, disciplined prayers. Then there's the Nehemiah arrow prayers, when just like Stephen, like Nehemiah, like Jesus, where you just are in tune with the Father and you just shoot up a prayer and go about your day. Shoot up a prayer and use the activity. Take what time you need. And then, just like Jesus, take long periods throughout the year. Find a time. Maybe it's going to be Black Friday instead of going to the stores. You're going to take time to get on your knees for a day. Take and block out some time, just like Jesus did, to Use in a protracted way. So you've got short, small, you know, rapid prayers, and you've got long-standing, extended prayers. If you do that, I think you'll find yourself in this category that he's talking about, constantly, continually lifting up prayers, because his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's bow in prayer. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, you've given us so much encouragement about our prayer life. We thank you that you've invited us in. Thank you for inviting us to be your children and to speak with you on a regular basis. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that uh, you've given us total access to your throne. You've invited us to speak with you face to face and heart to heart. Help us to do that, Heavenly Father, and not to shy away. Help us not to let fear or pride our faithlessness, anything to hold us back from our relationship growing with you. We ask that you would make this a house of prayer and us a people of prayer. Would you use the brothers and sisters to constantly encourage each other in prayer? We pray this just now in Jesus' name, amen.